One of my favorite subjects to talk about is leadership. So I'm loving recording this Leadership Insight series. In this series, I welcome a care leader onto the show and ask them 14 questions about leaders and about leadership. This week, I have the pleasure of welcoming Rachel Crook, who's the CEO of Lifted, who are a tech-driven home care business. Rachel had a painful but transformative entrance into the care sector and is a student of leadership, so much so that she was elected as an Obama leader. My name's Simon Parker, and I'm the founder and chief executive of the Care Leaders Network, which is the professional community for the leaders of care organisations. One of the privileges of my job is getting to record the Care Leaders Network podcast. So here it is. Here's this Leadership Insights podcast with Rachel Crook. So Rachel, let's get started. Would you say that leaders are born or are they made? So I think that some of the capacity to be a good leader is innate. I do think it is born. Um, but I think that capacity goes to waste if you don't invest in it. Um, and so I think there are specific moments in someone's life where they have the option of, you know, are you called to leadership? Do you stand up in that moment or do you take a step back in that moment? And I think my sense would be the more moments you're faced with that you decide to step forward in, that makes you into a stronger and stronger leader. Um, and you need people around you that will support and that will foster those characteristics as well and that will reward them. So I think it's probably a combination of both, which I appreciate is a boring answer. And I'll try and have a more binary answer for the rest questions. But I, I do think that one genuinely is a, is a combination of both. And I think one of the things that's really interesting is looking at how those leadership characteristics, when they're expressed at an early age, get perceived differently according to people's gender or their ethnicity or even their kind of income bracket um, and the responses that you get to exhibiting those characteristics. So, you know, like as a I've definitely been called bossy as a as a young girl. I've definitely been kind of called a know-it-all. I've definitely felt excluded for putting my hand up too many times in class, you know, all these kind of things. And research indicates that, um, you know, a, a boy child wouldn't have had the same experiences. So I do think it does matter the environment that you're brought up in and whether those leadership characteristics kind of get to come to the fore or not and how challenging it is for someone to persevere in in, in face of that. The, the perseverance thing, I think, is a really, really key thing. And I guess that's that wouldn't relate necessarily to a, a maybe a gender or race or or, or or anything else similar to similar to that. I think the one thing that really stood out for me um through what you said there was about stepping up or stepping forward uh one of my one of my good friends always talks about um facing into into challenges uh so hearing you talk about that um uh kind of described in a slightly different way is is really really interesting and i guess maybe the people from different backgrounds maybe their propensity to want to or feel that they can or or maybe worth while them uh, uh, facing into the to, to the challenges, whatever it might be, uh, I guess that's you could probably do a podcast in the, on that subject uh, uh, alone, and maybe we should at uh, at some point. But I I appreciate the, um, the 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 balance that you've had between the are leaders born or are they made as well. Um, it'd be interesting to see how we get on with with some of the other questions. So, would would you say that leadership is more of a an art or more of a science, and why would you hold that opinion? I think leadership is more of a science. I think basically almost any kind of phenomena is measurable in data in some ways. And so I think the, the things that make you a good leader might not be um, created by science, but you can certainly measure the impact of them. So, for example, 
Um, I, I had the huge privilege last year of, of being part of the Obama Leadership Programme. So one of 36 young leaders in Europe recognized by the Obama Foundation for being leaders. And we had a huge amount of training on storytelling. Um, and we had lots of training on different ways of telling the same story to have different effects. So obviously it's an art in the sense that it's storytelling, but the science comes in in that there are certain ways of telling a story that are more effective. So it's more effective, for example, to tell the story of, so the idea was you tell the story of you first. So you express your story and how you come to this moment. And then you tell the story of the group. So you connect your personal story to other people's stories. So it's very common, for example, in the care sector, for people to have a personal story, as, as I do. My mum was diagnosed with early onset dementia when I was 24 and she was 56. And that story makes people feel empathy and sometimes makes you feel sympathy. But if, but if they've not had that experience, it doesn't make them feel part of it. And so the next question is, how do I take that story and make it part of your story? So how do I say to you, you know, and you might not have had that experience, but, um, you know, you, you have people that you love and some of them will have changed during their lives. How has that change affected you? And sometimes you try and take the things that take your story and make it their story as well. And so that that is a technique that is based in science, but is expressed through an art form. Does that make sense? So I think that um, I think there's definitely definitely more of a science. And I think that's really helpful because it means that people who perhaps have innate capabilities of being a leader. So they think differently. They're courageous. They're talented. Um, you know, they they have a vision, but maybe they're not as confident. Maybe they're not as skilled at public speaking. Maybe they speak differently. Maybe they're not great writers. If it's a science, then we can help them get better at those specific things they do to unlock their talents. So I think that's a good thing. So I guess the uh, the the what you're saying there is that the uh, the blueprint almost for leadership can be that can be a science, but maybe maybe the method of delivery is more of an art because it's personal to that individual. I, I think that's right. I think that's right. I think um, I think there are certain things that everyone relates well to, right? Like there are certain speakers that you hear when they speak and you you, you want to follow them. You know, you want to listen to them. You want to be in their presence. And if someone said to you, why do you feel that way? It's sometimes hard to know um, exactly why you feel that way. You know, why why is someone like Boris Johnson compelling to huge parts of the population and and not and not other people? You know, like there are challenges like that. And then why are speakers like um, like President Barack Obama, who has this incredible charisma, but if you really try to dale, nail down, well, what is it about him that makes him charismatic? That you can definitely identify things, but the reality is you feel it, right? You feel it. And I think good leaders make people feel things. Um, and feelings are obviously a science, but most people don't think of them that way. They think of them as as, as arts, I guess. Yeah, really interesting. Um one of one of my favorite subjects is uh, is culture and i think one of the most important parts of culture is how people feel and the context around how people feel is 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 and should be set up by by, by leaders uh so there's all kind of how those various different things really interlink with each other which maybe we'll get onto in a little bit more detail as we as we talk but what what would you say that the difference is between management and leadership yeah it's a really interesting question my sense is that a, a lead a manager helps people to get to a destination that is predetermined. So, you know, the leader says, okay, this is where we're going to get to. Or, or maybe the leader gets a group of people together and they agree this is where we're going to get to. Um, and then the manager's job is to say, okay, this is point B, we're at point A. How do we get to point B? Um, and what do you need to do as an individual to contribute to that journey? And it's their job to take that mission and help that person understand their individual contribution towards it and then to hold them to account against it to give them the resources and the tools and the support that they need to succeed 
But I don't think that's the same thing as being a leader. And I think, by the way, I think you can perform both roles. Like I'm definitely a manager and a leader within my company. Um, I don't think there's like two different types of people per se. I think they're different functions and different responsibilities. I think a leader is about defining that B point, right? It's like, where are we going? And how do I bring the best of everyone in my organization and outside my organization to understand what the right point could be that we want to get to? And how do we create that vision for the future? How do I help you imagine something that doesn't yet exist? I think that's that's what a leader really does. And then the second component, I think, to that is that they then inspire people with the, the, the passion and the emotion and the energy that they need to then get to that point. Because, because true leadership is about forging a path through uncertainty. And that is hard. It's hard for so many people. And it's particularly hard when, you know, running a, a, a tech startup in a care industry, you know, it's a totally kind of different world. Um, and I think a really effective leader, you you want to get there because you want to follow them. You want to be like them. Um, and you want to get to that future that they're, they're telling you about, even if it yet doesn't exist. So I guess to some extent, leaders have to be future makers or dreamers in a way that maybe managers don't. You've alluded to this point maybe slightly earlier on, but at what point would you say that somebody becomes a leader? I think someone becomes a leader when they step forward, when other people step back. I think that's I think that's the, the sort of the best encapsulation I can provide of it. Um, and I think that means that you lead sometimes and you don't lead other times. You know, you shouldn't pick every battle. But if I think of an example... Um, so at my school, this is a ridiculous example, it's nothing meaningful, but it it was the first example I can think of. My school um, may just wear blazers, and at some point they enforced a rule that you had to wear your blazers in between classes. And it was hot, and it was annoying, and it was frustrating. And I was like, this is ridiculous, like no one's consulted us on this rule. It suddenly changed, and now, you know, we all have to wear these stupid blazers. And so I got a petition together and got 200 people in my school to sign the petition. But then my school council wouldn't accept the petition because apparently it was in subordination. So then I had to try and negotiate. And then I and then I didn't have a seat on the school council. So I didn't know what I was going to do. So I managed to find the person who was meant to go to school council and said to him, well, look, can I take your place for this week? And I'm going to go and present my petition. And that's what I did. Um, and in the end, they did not change the rules. So it was a very disheartening example. Um, it's also not a particularly big social injustice. I should have started a petition about something much more important. Um, but I guess that was an example of stepping forward when I could have stepped back. Um, and I think there's lots of examples in my life where I've where I've done that. Um, and sometimes, you know, to 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 not to not always the most positive results. You know, sometimes I just wish I was the person that could sit down and shut up. Um, I struggle to do that. Um, and I think the other thing about I, th I think that's when someone becomes a leader. I think the other thing that someone does when they become a leader is is that point I was making before about trying to get people to a place that they're not already at and seeing a future that they can't already see. And as a business founder, that is your job, right? Like this business doesn't exist, nothing exists. And you have to have this kind of level of hubris and self-belief that, you know, it's, it sounds bizarre, right? Like when I said to investors, you know, I'm going to build the missing care unicorn, I'm going to build this business worth 100 million quid and you need to give me X million to make it happen. Like you kind of almost think you're being ridiculous to say that, but that's what the investor wants because they want to believe that you can turn their money into something. They want to believe in that future. People want to believe in in creating new things like dreaming and belief in the future is like an inherently attractive thing to people um it has to be credible it has to be humble it has to be proportionate but i think when you when you 
pitch that vision of the future to someone and you kind of help them imagine how it might look I think that's another time um, that you become a leader so those are some examples and I suppose the third time is when someone wants to be like you when they look at you and they say and this thing that's probably happens to a lot of people listening to this podcast is that you know you run your business and there'll be people in your business whether you know it or not that are looking at you and thinking I want to be like that person one day you know I admire this thing about them they can teach me something that I don't already know um and there's people about that in my business that I feel that way about, you know, I, I manage them, but still I look at them and think, you know, you lead me in this area because I don't know enough about this and you're helping me learn about that. So I think those are maybe three, three examples. So when you, when you step forward, when people could step back, um, when you create a vision of the future to people to imagine something that doesn't yet exist. Um, and when people want to be like you. I like the idea of, because humans are, uh, uh, we're, fundamentally geared up for, uh, for 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 progress and you see it kind of playing out out everywhere that progress is driven by leaders and those leaders have to tell a story uh do you know what i mean you're, you're selling that vision that hasn't quite um ha- hasn't quite come to fruition but somebody can buy into that story because it then relates back to their story etc uh so a, a, a nice um connection in between some of the uh some of the messages here which i really 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 appreciate tell me um what would you say some of the common misconceptions are around leaders and about leadership. Um, I think one of the most common misconceptions around leaders is that they don't find it difficult. <laughs> um, I think that there is a sense that because leaders have power, which they do, um, and because they have resources, which they do, that somehow their jobs are easy. Um, and I think sometimes people actually don't know what leaders do. They don't really understand that like your job is to find a path through uncertainty. And I think, I think that people underestimate the emotional challenge of that, both like the intellectual challenge of complex problem solving, right? Like if your business has lots and lots of different things that have to interact, actually just breaking down the problem is part of the, part of the task, right? I used to be a consultant at McKinsey and Company, and that's a lot of what, McKinsey consultants bring is like your business is this kind of tangle of all these different challenges and it's our it was my job and the job of my other teams to help pull the threads apart and help you understand okay well there's this problem you need to solve first then this problem and this problem and this problem and a lot of leadership is about solving complex problems not simple problems and I think that's something that people don't necessarily appreciate um I think the other thing that people don't necessarily appreciate is the emotional challenge and experience of being a leader you know, like one of the things I find the hardest, if I'm honest, is um, is when you when you're the CEO of a company, like you can't really be friends with people. Like you can be friends with them and you can respect them and they can be colleagues of yours. But at some point, you may have to make a really difficult decision about whether that person should be in the business or not. Um, and that that can be lonely. You know, like when I hear my team, you know, going out for dinner with each other and knowing that if I'm there, the conversation will change. Um, that that can be lonely. Um, and part of being a leader is being able to hold that loneliness and hold that uncertainty and and not show it's not not showing people how you feel but it's not letting it affect other people so that you know you're a needy leader because that's not no one wants that um but i i do think a common misconception that i think is changing dramatically but was the case is that strong leaders are kind of um are perfect and are kind of teflon coated and don't don't ever share their emotions and don't ever talk about what they find difficult and always have the answers um my experience at lifted has been that when I don't have the answers but when I can structure the conversation in such a way that I can say okay I know this I know this and I know this 
but I don't know this. Can we get together and can we discuss it? I find people step up to the plate in a way that I could never have imagined. Um, so I think that would be one of my common misconceptions is that they're expected to have all the answers. So often not the case, uh, and I can safely attest that I definitely don't have all of the answers. I'm just lucky to be um, surrounded by a team of people who who often do, and if they don't, we can all work together to, to try and find solutions to those things. But I'd say, I mean, when you're breaking new ground, it's funny, isn't it? Because most of the time, this is where the uncertainty thing that you brought up earlier comes in. Um, most of the time, the concept is clear. You know exactly kind of the direction of travel that you want to go to. You haven't necessarily got an idea or a roadmap of how to how to get there. And particularly when you start with a kind of a new charge, a new um, focus or, or or something particular that you want to achieve for, for, for your for your customer type, that can be it can be daunting. I mean, it's amazing fun overcoming those things. It's a very kind of dopamine inducive type uh, inducing type uh, type set of circumstances. But um, but, yeah, I can definitely connect to the fact that leaders don't don't have all of the answers. It's more a case of what can you do with the team of people that you have and the resources that you have to be able to find those answers and create that environment where progress can be made. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to come to the end point without some bumps into the road, um, but it's it's about creating that environment for people to to succeed. So, yeah, very much I can connect with you on that one for, for sure. Um, what would you say the difference is between a good leader and a great leader? I think great leaders make you feel well first of all they make you feel something they don't just make you want something or to do something or tell you something they make you feel something um and secondly i think they make you feel like you're part of a movement that plays to the core of who you are i think that's like what real leaders do you know like if you think about like mahatma gandhi or president obama or um nelson mandela like these are people that kind of defined an injustice that affected people um, and found a way of creating a movement that made people feel part of that change. And it made them feel like they had something to gain by believing in a different future. And they were willing to enact any cost because to not be part of that movement was not to pursue like their highest ideals of themselves. Does that make sense? Maybe President Obama is slightly less so than the other two, but and I think real leaders can take someone in a position where they feel powerless and make them feel that they have power. That's what I'm trying to get at. That's what I'm trying to get at. The idea that you know, and I think like I think one of the examples in the UK, I think one of the struggles people feel is whether we have in either party, the Labour, the Conservatives, do we have a leader that really helps people feel like they have power in a context where people feel like they've lost a lot of power, right? Like in the cost of living crisis, in the um, kind of changing situation with international security and the price of energy going up and, you know, in, in Brexit having occurred, like the, the narrative around Brexit was taking back control, right? The idea that power is really seductive to people and that they want to feel power over their own lives, whether or not Brexit achieves it, I guess is a different question for today. But the point I'm making is I think real leaders help people feel like they have more power um, in their own futures. And I I think that is what is needed to help people achieve things that they didn't think they could achieve otherwise. So I think that's what a, a really great leader does. A quick note about one of the sponsors that makes the Care Leaders Network podcast possible. Compass Associates works in partnership with the care sector by supporting care providers with their recruitment and retention needs. 
They've won a number of industry awards over the years and specialize in placing mid to senior roles in the elderly care sector. Compass have offices in Portsmouth and Manchester, but deliver their services nationwide. And to find out more, head to www.compassltd.co.uk. And I guess that's helping somebody to manifest their own power as well in a in a direction that's consistent with what they stand for and what they stand against. So I actually think, um, yeah, no, I think that's a beautiful description. I know you, you kind of had to ponder your way through that just a, just a little bit, but I think it's the, the set in. The sentiment there, I think, is absolutely, absolutely right. I couldn't agree with you more on on, on that one. So um, talk to me about the top three most important characteristics of leaders. So this one I have thought about and got an answer for. Um, I think courage. Um, I think empathy and I think passion. Um, I've got a fourth, which is analytical, but maybe I'll come back to that one. So I think courage because... As I've said, like in my definition of leadership, you have to be courageous in two ways. You have to put yourself forward and other people disagree with you or wouldn't necessarily put themselves forward. And then you stand out and human beings don't like standing out. Um, and you also have to be courageous because you have to carry the emotional challenge of that. And those are two different types of challenges, I think, that it's important to, to understand both of them. Um, the loneliness and the uncertainty and the self-doubt that comes with having to craft a path where it hasn't been crafted before is is very real and very meaningful to people. Um but I think it's important because without it, you know, we need people that are willing to present alternative futures or suggest how to solve problems that people think are intractable. Um, so we we need those people to be those leaders. And I think I think you need to have you need to project confidence, even if you don't necessarily feel confidence to other people, because they need to believe that you believe that you can get there. Um, so I think that, that courage point is important. Empathy, I think, is important because your job as a leader, as I said, if we take this view that it's to unlock people's sense of power, and, and I really like what you described, which is like tap into their own sources of power, then you have to be able to empathize. And I think one of the biggest struggles and, you know, like the my biggest fear is being David Brent in the office, you know, like giving these kind of like pseudo inspirational speeches and people in the team are just like, oh, you stop talking, you know, like fringe back there. Like he has a chronic lack of empathy. Right. I don't even watch it because I can't watch it because it's so upsetting. Um. And I think that's bad. I think I think there's I think quite a lot of leaders are bad leaders. They don't have empathy. You know, like if you get on a Zoom call and fire 600 people, you have no understanding of how those people feel. You know, like I think there's there is a real lack of and I think empathy is a massively important skill, not just for a team leader, actually, but for a business leader, because you have to have empathy with your customers. You have to understand what problems you're trying to solve. You have to understand how they feel. Um, so I think empathy is is really, really important. And the other reason I think it's important is part of a creation of the future or these different goals is being able to spin a problem and look at it from different people's perspectives and say you know for example in the care industry like what if we looked at care from a carer's perspective what if we imagined the entire care system from a care worker's perspective how would that change how we operated you know this idea that you like phone them up and ask them to fill a visit at short notice well you wouldn't do that right because that's not how a care worker wants to be treated and then if you look at it from an industry owner perspective from an owner perspective you're like well the owner needs to fill the visit so the owner's going to call so you know there's lots of different ways and if you look from cqc perspective cqc is like well you've got to get to the care so i don't care what you do but you got to get that person there so you know there's lots of I mean, maybe that's facetious but the point i'm making is that empathy it requires you to put yourself in different people's positions to take that data and use it to create a narrative that will help everybody see a future even if their stakes in it are different um and then i think the point around passion um 
you, you just got to believe like you, you've got to want to create that future you know like in any scenario leadership invokes huge costs on your personal life on your emotional life even if you stop work at five there's no way you're stopping thinking about it at five it's just impossible at least in my experience um you have to be passionate because if you do not care about the thing you're trying to lead in one people will smell it out um and two you just won't get there so you, you have to be passionate and if i'm allowed a fourth one i'd go with analytical because i think that people underestimate the importance of of numbers and of thinking really clearly um and the other type of bad leader is someone that is all fluff you know like I once worked with someone that was like we're gonna get there Rachel we're gonna get there and I was like great how are we gonna get there it's like just believe and I was like that is not a strategy right so like you have to couple this kind of um ability to talk and inspire people with like practical resources and mentalities around structuring difficult problems and that is an analytical ability and I think if you if you don't have that then you kind of aren't you can't get your team where you need to get them. I'd like to take a moment just to let you know about one of the sponsors of the Care Leaders Network podcast. Howden Group is the second largest insurance broker in the UK, and they pride themselves on being specialists within the care sector. Their aim is to help care leaders build remarkable care organisations by providing them with a unique experience and also the best possible deal. To learn more about their tailored insurance solutions, head to howdengroup.com. Great, um, great three points plus the extra one as uh, well. <laughs> Sorry. Side of things. No, no, it's, uh, it's all because, um, we've created a framework for the conversation, but uh, sometimes going off piste is the uh, absolutely the right thing to do. So I'm, I'm glad that you've presented uh, a, an additional option on top of the three. So um, how do you think leadership is evolving over time? Um, so I think who as a leader is changing. And I think the acceptable tactics are changing. Um, so I think who's leader is changing. I mean, you know, it, it's one of the biggest narratives, right? That in business that, you know, we've had certain, we've had an over, um, representation of certain types of leaders, certain people from ethnic groups, certain people from certain genders. Um, and we want to diversify that because talent is everywhere and we want to unlock that talent. And also if, you know, if we have six companies run by white women, there may well be similarities that if they were run by black women would not be the same. You know, there are different, there are different aspects of diversity. Um, and it's really important by the way that we don't just have like one tokenistic, you know, leader of color, for example, because then that assumes that this is what a company run by a person of color is like. And of course that's not the truth. There's billions of people, you know, so it's, I think that has to be a really sustained movement. Um, I think what people expect of leaders is changing. I think particularly in a business context, like, people want to understand the purpose and social mission of businesses. Um, and I actually think this is a huge opportunity. Like I think for a long time, there's kind of this narrative that like, you know, businesses are bad. And, and I, I think that's like profoundly wrong, you know, like, and I think a lot of marketing narratives have not played into that. So, you know, like for a long time, for example, when people talked about banks, they talked to them, these kind of like financial institutions that are hands off. Um, but actually like banks give people the resources to pursue their dreams you know like without a bank you can't buy a house without a bank you um you know you can't you can't borrow money to start a business you know like there are so many things that banks allow people to do and I think we've seen that change now so like the banking kind of language is not like I'm by your we're by your side and like we're here with you in difficult times and um and so I think the expectations of what a company is have changed and therefore what they expect from a leader has changed because a leader has to embody the values and and brand of that company. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think the other thing that's changed is 
is tactics. So I think this I I think people are seeing leaders be increasingly rewarded for having some level of vulnerability and showing that publicly and talking about it. So you know the head of Santander talked very publicly. Is it Santander? No, head of Lloyd, sorry, talked very publicly about his struggles with mental health. Um, that then means that that business, you know, when they talk about being by your side, it has a kind of a different meaning for people. Um, I think that's not universally welcomed and warmed, but I think there's definitely an increasing push towards it. Um, so I think authenticity is becoming more important to people. Um, and the other thing is like the level of accountability, I think, is is going up, you know, in, in a world where, you know, you can get a million people on TikTok to create negative videos about an organization within 24 hours, that's a completely different world that we're working in when, you know, you could hide behind a, a press office, a press release, you know, 10 years ago. So I think like the level of people's access um, to leaders is changing and therefore the level of accountability that they feel is changing and also the pressure they feel, right? Like, you know, I often think in the future, would I like to go into politics? And part of me would like to, but part of me is put off by, you know the fact that I would have to have receive vitriol on social media because that's part of what happens to leaders is that they they become symbol, symbols for things and so people subject them to abuse for those symbols. Um, so I think those expectations are changing and therefore I guess the sacrifices that we ask of leaders is perhaps increasing in some ways maybe. Um, but that's not to say that sacrifices are not increasing on other people. I mean in lots of ways and I'm acutely aware of this, like leaders are, are very privileged, right? They own more than other people sometimes. Um, you know, they they have huge autonomy and control. So there's lots of things to be incredibly grateful for as a leader as well. Um, but there are challenges too. Without a shadow of a doubt. What, um, what are the greatest challenges that you've faced as a leader and what have you learned as a consequence of those challenges? Oh man, <laughs> so, so many challenges all the day. Today, do you want my newest one today? Um, so I got to a point at the end of last, so 2022 was a really difficult year for me. So as I, as I said, I, I started my business because my mum was diagnosed with early onset dementia. Um, and I've, you know, I've raised millions of pounds from investors and um, have high expectations on me and built a team, you know, and so had a lot of pressure on my shoulders. So I was finding that hard anyway. Um, and then I woke up one morning in terrible pain and had to go to hospital and had two operations for kidney stones. And then in the middle of that happening, um, my mum's health took a turn for the worst um, and she died. So I had to go back and forth between, I was literally going back and forth between hospital and her hospital and my hospital trying to have my operations. And, and so I was literally in a wheelchair. It was, it was grim. Um, and then two days after her funeral, I had to restructure the business. Um, and so by the end of that year, I was, I was, and I'd got married, which was great, but like pretty stressful as well. Um, I, I was pretty, pretty zonked and I just kept working. I just kept working. I just thought, well, if I, I, I thought I created a new product and I, for the business together we did. And I thought, well, let's push everything into that and I'll just keep working. And I got more and more unhappy and I didn't really realize that I was that unhappy. Um, until I kind of got to a point where I was like, I, I need to take a couple of weeks off work and try and get my brain back. And I learned a lot from that process, I think. And, and I guess what, what's the challenge that I faced? Well, I suppose the challenge is like life happens. But I suppose a bigger challenge is, is the fact that it's all on you, right? No one else was going to restructure the business. 
Like that was my job. I couldn't delegate. Everyone was like, can you delegate? I was like, no, I can't delegate. I can't delegate deciding who I'm going to keep in the organization, who I'm not. That's not a job I can delegate. And I can't delegate delivering that news because I think I believe profoundly it's my responsibility to sit opposite each person and talk to them about that challenge. You know, I, I can't delegate that. Um, and also no one else has the answer. I, I guess like that was one thing I really learned is like no one has it. I kept thinking like maybe there's a perfect answer. And if I just do run enough numbers and think about it enough, I'll get the right answer. But there isn't the right answer and there was no perfect answer there's only the best answer you can come up with in the time and resources that you've got available um and that's the only thing you can you can do is make that decision and then move to the next decision so that was something I really learned um and the other and I guess the other challenge I felt was this sense of like of self-pressure because like, I have this vision for how I want Lifted to be and I was like and I want us to get there I felt like if I made the wrong decision or any of the wrong decisions then I'd failed and, and I hadn't just failed me or right? I'd failed my mum because this whole thing was about my mum and I'd failed the country because in my warped imagination like I was trying to fix the care crisis so it's all on me which is obviously ridiculous you know it's like a, I said a level of hubris that's laughable but when you're kind of in that mindset where you think like I'm, I just need to solve this problem it can be very hard to think outside of it and so I guess the biggest challenge I learned is like I'm, I'm just one person and all I can do is all I can do that day um, and all my business could do is all my business can do. Because if I'm working like that, my team are working like that, right? Because whether I ask them to or not, they're trying to keep up with my energy. Um, so, and I suppose the thing is, the thing you and I were talking about before we started, Simon, which is like every organization understands that people are its biggest assets. But as a business leader and owner, you don't realize that you are an asset. You know, like I think one of the investors said to me, like, you know, we invest because of you, like you are an asset to the business. And if you don't protect your asset, like you cannot grow your business. Um, and I, and I really believe that. And I, and I guess I hadn't taken that seriously and just stupid things that, like, you know, like not taking, not having lunch. Like I realized when I started having lunch that I'd feel a lot better <laughs> if I ate, <laughs> you know, just think things like that, that, um, that I hadn't realized and like the importance of exercise. And I guess just the importance of treating myself like an asset that mattered to the organization, um, I think is, 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 is another big important lesson, um, that I learned. And then I suppose the last thing I think I really learned was this idea of a kind of growth mindset. I think I kind of had it in my head, like if I didn't have the answer now and I didn't know what I was doing right now or I didn't know where the business was going right now and I couldn't chart it in like, you know, steps that I'd failed and I should spend all this time thinking about how I'd failed and, you know, what else I should do with my life. And actually what I realized is the job of a leader is to constantly be learning because you're constantly facing situations you haven't faced before. And so all you can do is approach that situation with 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 humility you know like in some ways care and and providing care for people is a very old industry right like it's been around since kind of the beginning of time but in other ways it's changing all the time um you know the 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 change recruitment environment in the last year is dramatically different than it was you know 3 years ago the changing um compliance environment is different the expectations of um, challenges in the NHS changes things. This, the environment is constantly changing. And, you know, through the pandemic, it was an unbelievable amount of change. And I'd launched a care business six months before the pandemic. So, you know, it was a huge amount to learn. Um, and, and, care, and, and people in the care industry are facing enormous pressure all the time and yet somehow rise to that, that challenge. And so I think they're very good at having a learning mindset. That's been my experience. Like right now at Lifted, we're working on challenges in recruitment and specifically around international recruitment. And we really want to do it, but we're thinking through some of the reasons that it's difficult for us. And we're thinking about how technology could help with that. Um, so if anyone wants to talk about that with us, we'd love to talk to you about those challenges. And that requires me to learn about a whole other world that I didn't know anything about before. Um, but I love that. I love 
I love that I keep learning. So I think that's, I guess maybe the thing I learned is like how, how much I enjoy it. Like I, you know, it's challenging, but I, I genuinely think that it's an enormous privilege to, to have the right to lead people and, and, um, and to constantly be learning about how to do that better. So much sympathy and empathy for, for some of the things that you shared there. And I can I can definitely say that um, me working in a leadership capacity is definitely um, something that I've maybe didn't appreciate the privilege of um, in my earlier days. Um, but certainly more more latterly, it's something that I think about an awful lot. So I'm glad that you've brought brought that up. Um, which leaders inspire you the most personally? Yeah, this is a really interesting question. Um, and I think, I think it's so personal, isn't it? Because it's what values, like, so, I mean, President Brahma massively inspires me. Um, and, you know, one of the most amazing things through the program was that I got to meet him and I got to hang out with him, which was like absolutely incredible. Um, and they kind of say, you know, you should never meet your heroes, but that. Uh, you should absolutely get, get if you get a chance to meet President Obama because he is every bit as incredible as you imagine. Um, and and I suppose like the reason I admire him is I think he's someone who has a commitment to excellence and a commitment to intellectual robustness. So like when you talk when he talks when you talk to him, like he unpicks the real problems so he doesn't listen to kind of the surface explanation like he's not the guy that's like we're just going there you know like this is the goal like he's the guy that understands all the challenges and constraints and reasons why things happen I think a lot of the time in the case actually that's something that I personally find frustrating is that there's kind of this narrative of well, if we just paid carers better it's like well let's examine why we don't pay them better like what are the challenges what are the reasons why that is the case like what are the barriers that people face and and is that the right mechanism and I think asking those questions about like, is this the real problem here? Like, what's the real problem? Um, not that we shouldn't pay care as best, that's not what I'm saying at all, but I'm saying there's a complex set of reasons why we don't in lots of scenarios. I think that's really important and I really admire that about him, which I guess goes to my point about being analytical. Um, he's an incredible public speaker. So I find that incredibly admire, incredibly inspirational. Um, and I think he's someone who like really, like lives and breathes his commitment to social change. Like it's not, this is a man, like, I think that, you know, if he hadn't become president, he would have spent his whole life, like as an activist, like he is genuinely committed to social change. Um, and so the the Obama leadership program, if you ever get a chance to apply and um, it's amazing, is everyone on that, the vast majority of them actually are, are like activists and community organizers and people doing things and facing you know, the most extraordinary consequences, like, Belarusian guy standing up for LGBT rights in Belarus there's um, a Russian guy trying to speak out against the war like these are people that like I was in this room with them I was like why am I here like what possible right do I have to be in this room um but I felt like I could really learn from them and so I I really admire that and I really admire the capacity that he has to bring groups of people together around challenges that people thought were impossible like Obamacare right maybe flawed but it's a pretty incredible piece of policy making um in terms of envisaging a future where you know people have healthcare, so I think I appreciate that's pretty a cliched answer. I'm sure he's come up a lot in this conversation, but I really, yeah, I, I really, I really admire him. Um, and I think, yeah, I think the world needs more leaders like that. 
social change in so many different form, forms are, uh, are, are are super super important the, the world's an incredible place in so many different ways but there's a, there's a lot that needs to change so people that can people that can lead people that can take people on a journey people that can uh, get people bought into a, a story and coming back to the stuff that we talked about earlier kind of helping people manifest their own power and things like that have uh, incredible value in the world. So no surprises that Obama was the the top of your list. So um, I'd be interested to hear with this question where this, uh, this particular piece of advice came from, but um, what would you say the best piece of leadership advice is that you've ever been given? I was thinking about this before we met trying to decide what I thought was the best, the best piece of leadership advice. It's a bit, it's not really so much about leadership, but it's more just an approach. So one of my very first managers said to me, um, a mini in the garage is worth more than a Ferrari in your head. Um, and I think like, as that's kind of not about like leading people to a promised land or anything like that. But I think what it's about is it's about saying done is better than perfect. And often as a leader, you're not actually doing the execution. And so there can be a desire to control it all and make it perfect. But actually your job as a leader is to enable other people to be able to, to, to do their own tasks and to kind of execute according to what they think is right. Um, and so I think relaxing my need for perfectionism and control in favor of um, empowering other people to to get something done is is great and the power of a good first draft you know what i mean like if someone does something and it's not great or it's not perfect you can make it better so so you get lots of hits you get lots of times to to make things really great so i think that's one piece of advice that i use every day whether or not it's like kind of profound um and the other one is like delegate problems not solutions so like you know Sometimes it's more, sometimes you need to delegate a solution. You need to say like, this is this is how we're going to fix this. But sometimes you need to say to people like, I've got this problem. Let's discuss this problem. Okay, now let's think about our solutions. Um, and nine times out of 10, the person experiencing the problem will have a better solution than you will. Um, I think that's, I think that's really important. And my dad says as well, like never throw away a book. Like always learn as much as you can. Well, exactly. Um, <laughs> I mean, my whole house is books. Um, I, I love to learn. And I think I think that is the job of leaders, to learn. I really do. So, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm probably going to have to get a new cabinet soon. Um, I'm, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's quite a lot going on up there. Yeah. It's far higher than you can see. It goes pretty much all the way to the, to the ceiling. So um, for the people that were uh, 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 that will be consuming this on the audio version, I pointed to my uh, to, to the backdrop of the podcast, which is part of my book collection. And I say part because it is part. There's, um, there's quite a lot of other ones. But um, I guess it's an interesting one. I was never massively... I wasn't particularly academic, like I'm a straight C student all day long. As soon as I started reading stuff that I was passionate about, I turned into the biggest bookworm in the entire world, which I've always read. But um, yeah, I think working in the capacity that I do, I've kind of become a voracious leader. And coming back to your point earlier, it's kind of it's kind of part of the gig. You, if you're working in a leadership capacity, the best way to serve the people that you're, you're uh, both your customers and your team is to make sure that you know things that are relevant and different insights and different influences and things like that. And you can get that from fiction and nonfiction and podcasts and films and art and all sorts of stuff like that, but engrossing and developing your own kind of intellectual capabilities and uh, IQ and EQ capabilities through um, consumption of books, et cetera, et cetera, is a, is a super valuable thing to do. So, right. Last question. Um, you're standing at a lectern 
in front of a room of aspiring leaders and you have one minute to inspire them, what do you say? You want me to talk for a minute, I assume? Do you want me to say some of the things I would say? The clock started now. If it's <laughs> one minute, it doesn't take too well, much. I've already, I've already lost half of it. Do, do I get any more information? Like, what how, are these young people, or do I just do I just go with it? Aspiring leaders. Imagine um, you would see to be an aspiring leader and uh, give them some uh, give them something to inspire them and make them uh, enthusiastic about kind of their their journey as a as a prospective leader. Well, first of all, um, you are leaders. By aspiring to be a leader, you are a leader because you are willing to imagine that you could have a role that you don't currently have and that is leadership of yourself so the ability to to aspire to lead other people um means that you're in that rare crop of people that want to do something different with the future um and the world needs you and it will be difficult there will be lots of moments where you will in whatever field you are where you say this is how things should be done or this is where we should go next or Let's talk about how this could be different and people will bat back at you because you challenge their perceptions or you challenge their status quo um, or because you doubt yourself because the assumption that you had about what would work wouldn't work. And you will feel like giving up and sh- stepping back into the into the shadows. Um, but the job of leadership is to stand there even when it feels uncomfortable, even when it feels like the odds are against you and keep pushing forward because you believe that there is something important that needs to change in the world whether that's in your business whether that's in your life or whether that's in the country or the world as a whole you believe that some change needs to occur and you want to have the enormous privilege and responsibility of helping people get there so the world needs you if it's hard you're not doing it wrong you're just doing the work um and you must always keep going because without people like you we will not change and the world needs to change there are big important problems that need solving there are big important businesses that need building and organizations that need founding um and there needs to be a group of people who can achieve that so surround yourselves by other people that can help you get where you need to go be humble don't assume that the people that you're leading people that know less than you they will often know more than you um but keep going that's what i would say Nice. I like that. I got fired up. I was uh, I, <laughs> I was really buying into what you were uh, you're, not, you're not the target audience. You're already a leader. Not, 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 necess- not necessarily, but, you know, everyone, everyone, um, everyone's uh, everyone's uh, uh, by virtue of the fact that you're always learning um, uh, any aspiring leader, whether they've been in the game for decades or whether they're, they're they're just starting out. I think there's an awful lot to learn with what you've uh, with, with what you've shared today. So, Rachel, it's been a, a, an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. Good luck with with Lifted. Good luck with the recruitment project. It's been a, a pleasure to talk today and hopefully we get the opportunity to create some more content uh, again in the future. I'd love that. Thank you so much for having us. And please do reach out to me at rachel at liftedcare.com if you want to chat about um, recruitment, particularly international recruitment. I'd love to speak to you. Thanks so much.